0: Hello and welcome back to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg. Joining me today is Jacob. Hello. And we are going to be reviewing Palace of Mad King Ludwig. Mm-hmm. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing.
1: Yeah, so we actually just finished the game of uh, Warsaw City of Ruins.
0: Yeah, uh, this was our second time playing it. Mm-hmm. We got to demo it at Origins. And I think it held up. I mean, I think a lot of the observations that we had there were pretty much the same yeah uh you know it's an interesting it's a like a city building tile laying game in which you're each building your own version of the city of warsaw
1: or a part of it this is you're building oh. different districts
0: oh okay i wondered because yeah. i remember that came up well, how mm-hmm. are we recognized this par- parallel universes okay yeah. different districts all right yeah. good to know but you're so you you know you're laying your tiles down and the gameplay takes place in epochs. Mm-hmm. so you know in Epoch one, you're just drafting around, and then in epoch two, you draft more, but your city has a maximum size. Yeah. Which means in order to get the most out of your later game tiles, you're gonna have to overbuild, Mm -hmm. which is a really interesting mechanic that they have where you can pay the difference in price between two tiles in order to place the new one on top of the old one. Yeah. So, you know, your city is going to grow and evolve and change. And you know, this makes sense because a lot of the later game tiles are more powerful is almost too much of a shorthand but they're more versatile. You know, mm. where uh, an mm-hmm. early game tile might just be split into, you know, half park, half residential, you know, a late game tile might have, you know, one out of four of its slots be park, one residential, one industrial and one uh commercial, you know. So just much more versatile, better able to to pick up on some of the adjacency bonuses that
1: uh, that the game runs on really. Exactly, exactly. And and I really like the uh the fact that it's that you get the discounts yeah. for, for building over. Yeah, and very like it, important. It is really important, big part of the game. And I think we also noticed that the same thing that we did um, while we were playing last time, which is that, well, money makes the world go around. Oh, and yeah. And you pretty much won just because you had more money than I did yeah, at the end of the literally.
0: game. literally. I was behind you in points, and then at the end of the game, you get one point per five coins, and I had, you know, true many. quadruple your coins yeah. uh, and just shot ahead so yeah i think you know getting an early game economy to start with because you have to pay money to build tiles mm-hmm. you have to pay money in order to activate some of the the active abilities on buildings later in the game it just it pays dividends in ways that i think might be a little overbalanced
1: I don't know. I think I think it depends. Like you just have to know that that's the kind of thing that you have to go for because like both of the games that I've played, I've gone for points right mm-hmm. straight from the beginning. But it's just like I I was like chucking on fumes just like by the end of the game where you know you're placing all four of your tiles where I was just like, well, I need to sell two of them in order to have enough money to place one of them. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> or it's like nowhere to overbuild and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely one of the
0: you know an aspect of the game that I think bears. Uh, you know further exploration.
1: Yeah, for sure. I th- I think it's it's fun all in all. Uh it's it's a very interesting game. So Yeah.
0: And you know, it's quick. It plays 2 to 4. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, this two player game, I think we finished in probably what 40 minutes?
1: Something like that. It was pretty quick.
0: Yeah, very quick. So, you know, easy to to pick up and play. Cool new game. Maybe check it out. And mm-hmm. uh we'll probably be playing that some at uh Washington. Yes. Cuz it is from North Star Games. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, and they're always there. So
1: there they are, and we will be there, and you should too. Yeah, come, uh, come hit us up.
0: <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll play some War Slots together.
1: Exactly. Other than that, I actually got to play Alter Arms. Uh, and this is a prototype RPG uh, it's, uh, designed by someone in the local DC community, Duffy. So neat. And I got to play that at the Break My Game event that happened at Labyrinth recently. Mm. And it's interesting. It's, it's an RPG. Uh, type game but it's all based on you know the ridiculous transformations of like the the like power rangers type thing and like you go from uh the way that he explains it is the first three forms that you have are like you know, human-ish forms that you're transforming to different things there but then you get to the the fourth form where it's, like that's your first mecha form and then you have your fifth form which is your ultimate mecha form kind of thing
0: all right this sounds pretty fabulously uh
1: over the top, yeah, pretty much, and it's, it's very much a narrative driven game. Uh, you have all these different quirks and things like that that you can like use. I think they're called gimmicks in this game, and <laughs> like, right. I I played a wear beaver, mm. yeah, okay, yeah. All so right. my first form was the, so I would go from human, uh, and the interesting part here is that like when you are in your first form, you can use any of the gimmicks of the forms that you have, but they're like, you know, minor kind of thing. So my gimmick for my werebeaver form was sharp teeth. So one of the things that happened during the game was when I was still in my first form as as just a human, Mm -hmm. I bit a tree down to make it fall down across a road. All right. That's, so it's just like human teeth like yeah <laughs> it rewards
0: creative thinking alright
1: yeah it's, it's very much uh, like you, you have to try to sidle in like your, your gimmicks as much as possible throughout as many actions as possible because um, the game system like progresses as as you go along you start with having a d4 that you roll uh, and you have three stats uh, you have I forget the exact names of them but it's, it's something along the lines of like a might Wit and soul, or something like that. Okay. All right. Pretty standard. Um, And you can have between one and three points in those. And those are multipliers. Okay. So if you, whatever you roll on your die, you multiply by the number of Mm. points that you have in there. That makes sense. So, like, you, you can do that. And then you also have the. There's another one that you can, like, take uh, drama, which is, like, the health in this system mm-hmm. that would uh, allow you to, like, do something a little bit more superhuman in these kinds of things. Okay. Like exertion um, type stuff? Yeah. It's, a, like, you have one uh, skill that if you take drama, it, it adds one to the multiplier. So you could go from a two to a three or a one to a two. Okay. Um, as, as, you, as you would. And then as you transform into your different forms, you... Pretty much, get to increase your die, so you go from mm, D four, right, yeah, okay, that makes D eight, D ten. All right, that makes so sense. On. And you gain experience throughout, and like you know, depending on what you do, if you like have a crit success kind of thing, that's when you like gain more experience. And, mm-hmm. Or like you know, if you overpower them with whatever, and it's cool because like it, it very much is a combat based game, but like the combat is like can be social combat, can be mm. physical combat. It's all it's however you want to do it. Okay. It's just, like, they were having, like, part of our group was having, like, a intimidate-off in the corner, like, on one side where, like, they were going up against these mooks and, like, at first they didn't no one hit anyone else, but, like, our shapeshifter turned into a, you know, nine-headed dragon and the, uh, the magic wielder pretty much was, like... Uh, all right, and I'm going to like conjure fire that come out mm. of your like your your mouths and that kind of thing to intimidate the hell out of these like. Okay, uh, moops. that
0: is actually I like the sound of that. It mm-hmm. you know taking a like a combat system or almost an opposed mm-hmm. role type of system and moving it into realms that are outside of, like, traditional physical combat, yeah. that's always something that's going to interest me. So that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it's just, like, you can try to outwit people. You can try to, like, you know, just intimidate the hell out of them, like, however you want. But uh, that's why it's called, like, the drama instead of, like, health. Right, because okay. Because you're, you're yeah, not yeah. actually, like, you know, whittling down their health, but you might be whittling down, like, the resolve to stay mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. whatever. So. Okay, yeah, um, no, I really like the sound of this. It's cool. It's cool, and then uh, you also have like your finishing moves, which you can yeah, of like, course, yeah. uh, you know, use. I think one die higher, and uh, and but if you fail at them, if you don't do any damage to the to the opponent, huh. you crash.
0: Oh, ah, okay.
1: and you pretty much you're one hit and then out.
0: Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Well, because, you know, if you yeah. if you use your final move. Yeah. And then the guy's still alive. Mm-hmm. Well, then, you know, you're kind of shit out of luck. So.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I think one of the cool things about it also was that each character and even the forms could have different aspects. Mm-hmm. Where you have lore, which is like a more magical kind of thing. Bio, which is I'm going to smash you. All and right, tech. Right. and um, those were like the three major ones and it was bio is good against lore lore is good against tech tech is good against bio
0: okay all right standard rock, paper, scissors type
1: stuff and and that gives you advantage so pretty much if you are a bio like I was when I was in beaver form uh, (laughs) and I was attacking something that was tech based I rolled my die twice Hmm. and I had advantage so um that was that was really nice and i I thought it was a very interesting game. I think that I'm really looking forward to seeing how it keeps going and
0: yeah same uh, I mean yeah. especially you know break my game sort of development phase, but he's also a local guy, so mm-hmm. you know maybe we can uh maybe we can play a session sometime in the
1: future exactly I was telling him that it like once it gets closer to done like we'd love to have him on stream the Oh, totally would be, would be a lot of fun
0: yeah, it'd be awesome mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it sounds like that has a lot of potential, Uh, and I'd be interested to see how it, like, if it becomes almost genericized so that you could apply Mm. it to different, because, you know, in my head, I'm hearing a lot of what you're saying, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, drama, finishing moves, that sounds like Bleach, you know, powering up new forms, like, that sounds very, like, anime-esque, like, I can definitely see this being applied to a lot of different settings, and that's really cool.
1: No, it's so open that, that you could apply it to anything. It's like the, the we were playing with pre-gen characters. That's why sure. we had anything, but like you can choose whichever way you want. You could go for the bigger sword, the biggest sword, the biggest is, is, is sword, and right, then the, right. the biggest sword right. if you wanted to, so. Right, right.
0: Well, yeah, no, that sounds super cool. I'll definitely keep an eye out for that.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, there you go. That's a look at what we've been playing.
1: Hello, hello, architects. Oh, looks like the, uh, the construction is going well. It is I, King Ludwig II of Bavaria, also known as the Mad King, because, you know, you are all madly in love with me. And so, of course, oh, I like those rooms. Now, remember, architects, only the one who has the best rooms is going to get paid. You do take payment in swans, right? Ah, oh, of course you do. Well, I'll the same everybody. What the fuck was that? A really, really bad accent. Well there you go.
0: Uh, <laughs> Palace of Mad King Ludwig doesn't get any more uh, Bavarian than that. We Suffer. Very much so. <laughs> I, you know, we do the best we can here on Dragon's Demise. But yeah, Palace of Mad King Ludwig sort of a, not even a spiritual successor, just another game in the Mad King Ludwig franchise. Yeah. You are a number of architects, two to four architects, except instead of each being commissioned to design a single castle you have all been commissioned to work together on a single luxurious palace. Mm -hmm. So you are gonna be taking different rooms, putting them into the palace, and slowly enclosing all of that with a moat. And at the end of the game, whoever has made not necessarily the most, but the best contributions to the palace is going to win.
1: I mean, like, slowly and closed. I think the, the in, in the way that the game works, like, the moat is filling up as the rooms are getting built. Like, Yeah, the there's castle. definitely
0: a little bit of, like, an adventure game trap type of feel. You know, yeah. Indiana Jones is going to come swoop and save you at the end, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, Close it off! Close it off before the moat gets here! Definitely a lot of that. But, yeah, so the game is very fundamentally a tiling game. Yes. Unlike Castles of Mad King Ludwig, Palace has only square tiles.
0: Yes, and they're all the same
1: size. Yes, so you don't have any of that wonky, crazy, big tiles, small tiles, round tiles, square tiles, other things like that. But you start off with the foyer. You have like the main foyer. That's where you have like all the um, administrative parts of the game, and you know <laughs> all the uh, kinds of. If you were thinking of this in universe, it would be like that's where all the bricks and stuff and all that is is being laid out. Uh, and that's on the other side of a moat where you have all of the swans. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for the actual game, like on there, that's where you have the stacks of tiles for the rooms. That's where you have the the favors that you're trying to compete for, as well as uh, the hallways, the um, staircases, and other such things. Uh, they're all collected on this, on this board. And then uh, you start with three hallway segments that continue out into the undeveloped land which you are building off of.
0: Exactly. That's just sort of a jump start for your castle. And then it's time to play the game. So gameplay unfolds in turns, unlike in rounds in castle. Mm -hmm. And each player on their turn gets to do one action. So the first of those actions is to place a room. You have six rooms available to purchase from. The first two cost zero. The second two cost one swan. And the final two cost two swans. So you have sort of limited access, or you know, depending on what you can pay for. Mm-hmm. But you take a room, and you place it in the castle. And each room that is placed has to have an unbroken line of doorways leading back to the entrance yeah. to the castle, which you know makes sense. It's a, a ridiculous palace, but not one with rooms that don't connect to anything. Mm-hmm. So you place your room, and each room has a number of features. Number one is its type. So Just like with castles, each room has a different type. These can be activity rooms, sleeping rooms, uh, kitchens, things like that. And each of these will have different bonuses associated with them when you complete them, as well as being tracked separately on what's called your blueprint board, Mm -hmm. which is sort of your player board where you track how many and of what
1: tiles you've placed. Yeah, exactly. And when you take one of these rooms, uh, you then place it on the board and you know they fit door to door now uh you can't connect it somewhere where you know you're connecting it to nothing or like blocking off uh your only entrance to the rest of the castle but the other thing that you have in palaces you don't have in castles is that the doors are color-coded with swans Mm -hmm. and if you are able to match the colors you get that color swan so, if you have a yellow door connected to another yellow door, you get a yellow swan. And if that other room has been claimed by another player, they also get that yellow swan. Yep. So, you have a few considerations there. Now, once you place it, you go ahead and take one of your little cardboard tokens, which are your symbols, and you place that on top to claim it. And first, you, you keep it white side up until it's complete, and then you flip it over.
0: Right. So that's one of the other things that can happen when you place a room, is completion. So every room has a different number of doors. So living rooms have four, utility rooms have one, so on and so forth. Yep. And once a room has been placed, the only way to complete that room, flipping over your claim token and acquiring a bonus, is for every single one of those doors to be matched with another door. So if it's filled in against a wall, if it's surrounded by a moat... That room can never be completed, which is important because completing rooms is how you score bonuses. So player A places a room. Mm -hmm. They claim that room, which also happened to close off the last entrance from a room owned by player B. Player B now gains the completion bonus for that room, and completion bonuses generally fall into two different categories. One is things that happen during the game. They give you extra swans, uh, they give you tiles that you can place for free, things like that. Mm -hmm. The other type being things that give you end-game scoring, so extra points per type of room, extra points for having a certain number of swans, things like that, and those are scored, as I said, at the end of the game. Once player B has completed their room, player A can then resume their turn, which may or may not include placing moats, and this is the final aspect of placing down a room.
1: So... At a certain point in the game, when you deplete your first stack of, of rooms, you will reveal on the on the like main board that there is a moat tile there. Thereafter, whenever a room is complete, a moat tile is placed. Mm-hmm. So if you manage to complete two rooms with with uh, one tile on your turn, you still pl- you place two moats. Now it's per room complete. Now moats are interesting because they're almost like a timer for the game. Once the castle is fully enclosed by moats, the game is over, and you have to place a moat starting with right next to both the uh, foyer and any kind of room that's adjacent there, and then you just have to always be placing the uh, the moats adjacent to another moat and, if possible, a moat and a room tile. Yes, and so like you know, you're just pretty much like enclosing the castle as you go trying to make it so that you're not blocking yourself too much and you're blocking your opponents a little bit more uh, to get as many points as possible.
0: Exactly. So that's everything that could be involved in placing a room. Selecting, paying for it, placing it on the board, gaining swans if you match the doorway, claiming the room by playing down one of your cardboard tokens, providing completion bonuses to any player who completed a room, and placing moat tiles yourself if you were the one to complete a room. Yep. But besides that, there's a couple of other actions that you can take. So you can place hallways and stairs, which is very similar to placing rooms. You just take a hallway off the top of the stack or a staircase off the top of the stack, put it into the palace, and then take any actions necessary if, for example, you completed someone else's room or if someone else completed a room, so on and so forth. The other special thing about hallways and staircases is that when you place them, you're given the opportunity to discard one tile from the available center spaces. You can act as sort of a an offensive play, if you mm-hmm. will, denying, you know, I can tell that person really wants this utility room. I'm just going to discard it by playing a hallway.
1: Yeah, of course, this does cost swans depending on uh, how much that room actually costs. You still have to pay the, the, the cost before you're able to discard it. Exactly. There's one more action that, that can be done with the room tiles. And that is to take them and to place them in the correct slots on your blueprints board. Uh, now this costs the cost of the room plus an extra three swans. And when you do that, you have six slots that you can place them in. And these slots can give you different benefits. There are ones that when you fill them, you get a uh, discount of one swan on anything you buy. Uh, you get another one that lets you move two of your moat tiles or t- just a straight 10 points in- at the end of the game Win ties on um, the scoring conditions at the end of the game or just straight up three swans. And these are interesting because these slots can be used either for uh, the rooms that will give you those benefits at the end of the game or that is where you place your scoring conditions that are just secret and personal to you. So that's the last action that you can take which is to pay three swans and take the top three scoring tiles, the favor tiles, and choose one of them and place that in one of those slots as well. And they can't be double-stacked, so you can use it either for the ability or to get another slot for uh, scoring.
0: Right, very much a strategic trade-off. So those are the four types of actions that you can take. Place a room, place a stair or hallway, acquire a bonus on your blueprints board, or acquire a new favor token. Those are things you can do on your turn. People keep taking turns until one of a number of things happens. Most commonly, you're going to completely envelop the palace in moats. The moat is not allowed to close off the last door until the last moat tile is placed. So there must always be an avenue for the palace to continue growing. But eventually, the moat will just grow so large so quickly that there's nowhere else for you to go. It closes everything off, and then the game is over. The game can also end if you run out of room tiles, but that's much rarer and takes a lot longer.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And then you're ready for scoring.
1: Yeah, so for scoring, uh, there are a few things that uh, that you score. You start with, as we mentioned before, the Blueprints board. And on your Blueprints board, you have uh, certain things that uh, that give you points. If you unlock the 10-point slot, you get 10 points for that. As you play the game, you are also keeping track of how many of each type of room you have. And this is important for end game scoring because this game really rewards a variety of rooms. Because if you have one of each room, you immediately get an extra 10 points. Then if you have two of each room, you actually get 10 points plus an extra 20. So you get a full 30 points uh, just additionally. And if you keep going, if you're able to somehow manage to get three of each room. Very hard to do you will get a full 60 points just for that. But also, it does reward going for, you know, one type of room because if you are able to get five of a type of room, you get 10 points for that. And so there are these other bonuses. They are all based on tracking like, the types of rooms that you've built in the castle. Exactly. Next, you go to your swan sets. So you have your swans that you have remaining that you haven't used to uh, pay for anything. And now they have different colors. So you again have the um five colors of swans and based on how many sets you have you know the five swan sets give you 10 points four swan sets give you seven points and these have to be like of different colors and it goes down from there and you count all those up add them add them together get all those points and finally you go to where a large part of the points that you're going to score come from which is favorite tiles and both public and private mm-hmm so first you look at all the public tiles and determine who was, was able to get them because they're like mo- the most kitchens, the fewest yellow swans, the you know most uh, living rooms or whatever. And you determine those, you give the points for those. And then you look at whether or not you were able to complete the objectives that you had on your favorite tiles that you had on your Blueprints board. And Did you get it? Did you not? You add the points, and there you go.
0: Right. And you're the only one who's allowed to score those because they only appear on your Blueprints board.
1: Mm -hmm. And finally, the last thing is just looking at any of the other scoring things that are on the rooms that you have. So, for example, stairs. You get three points per basement room that is connected to that stair. So... You know, If you have a very large basement connected to your stairs, that's really, really good because you get a lot of points. Uh, you also have utility rooms, which give you three points per a certain parameter. It could be a type of swan, it could be a type of room. It all depends on what utility rooms you were able to pick up. And for the most part, that is scoring. You yeah. add all the t- together, there's a nice little notepad that lets you write it all down, add it up, and see who wins. Yeah, so that's how gameplay works in Palace of
0: Mad King Ludwig. I think this game does a lot of things really right. You know, it's a yeah. it's fundamentally mechanically a divergence from Castles. You know, mm-hmm. it's its predecessor, but I think it does very good job of capturing the spirit of that game. You know, you're you're placing tiles, you're looking for synergies and bonuses, and you're kind of trying to maximize your own. Not your own castle in this case, but your own set of rooms that you've claimed and swans that you own and things like that, while also still being very, you know, very colorful, rewarding a lot of spatial, you know, spatial synergy and, and things like that. So I think it does an excellent job of capturing the spirit of the original while making the concessions that a game would need to make in order to be, you know, this sort of multiplayer, you know, too many cooks in the kitchen almost yeah. type of situation. So I think they do a great job with that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I like it a lot. I think that it's really interesting, the like swan door mechanic, because that encourages you to actually work together sort of with other players. Because otherwise people would just like have their own little section of castle that like they're trying to not get filled in by the moat before while like other players are doing other things. Whereas here it's just like, oh, yeah, I really, really want a yellow swan. So even though this is Greg's broom, I'm going to play this on that to get that yellow swan because it helps me more than I think it will help him or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. Definitely a lot of almost, you know, strategic social considerations there which uh is is a great element to add Uh, as well i think that the moat sort of putting a timer on the game Mm -hmm. is a very elegant you know system because if it was just you run out of tiles then you know every palace would be more or less the same it would just be a big square and it's just a matter of what order the rooms come out in which Mm -hmm. admittedly would give you a lot of variety and i don't want to sell that short but this time pressure and also this almost shaping mechanism Mm -hmm. of the moat adds a whole nother level you know you can use the moat really offensively you know if you can tell that someone wants to you know complete a room on this side or if someone wants to open up a path out in a certain direction well then you or even you and some friends if you're willing to team up on it can just kind of go on a tear complete a bunch of rooms and block off that person's avenue with your moats so kind of the the dynamism mm-hmm. i think that it adds to the game is really uh, valuable
1: yeah, for sure. I, I find it really interesting, and I, I like a lot of aspects of the game in general. Yeah. But, as we always say, no game is perfect.
0: It's true. We do always say that.
1: And I think the first thing that I'll mention from for no game is perfect is the components, though relatively high quality, some of them are frustrating. Yeah. Like The design of the uh, the board that has like all, all the tiles and everything like that, it has a seam of like, you know, this puzzle piece board that gets put together, like in the middle of one of the tiles that you're supposed to be constantly sliding over. And it's really annoying because they don't actually sit flat. So you always have to be careful. It's like, oh yeah, I have to slide this one over. And it's like the second tile. So it's like, you almost always have to slide over it. And it just gets really, really annoying. And yes. then some of the pieces aren't really as well cut as you would expect. They don't match the, the doorways and that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of frustration there. And yeah, this is a little bit of a nitpicky kind of no game is perfect, but at the same time, it's visible enough to be annoying and it's you interact with it enough for it to be pretty annoying.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the alignment issues wouldn't be that much of a deal, except this is a grid-based game. And so, you know, when you're constantly fiddling with the board, maybe I'm just being extremely nitpicky, but, you know, it it's not so much that it makes the game bad. It just sort of detracts, distracts from how good the game is. Yeah, So pretty much. But uh, on a more, you know, sort of serious note, one of the big complaints that we have about the game after mm-hmm. playing it a couple of times is that swans seem very very powerful yeah you know swans are useful as currency you have to spend them to uh you know acquire new rooms or acquire new bonuses you know what have you but honestly the number of things that available that you know that you can get points for having sets of swans you can get points from favor tokens for having the most or least well least obviously doesn't do you any good but most of a particular color of swan and really what it comes down to is the utility rooms they give you three points per swan of a particular color Mm -hmm. just way too powerful the point value of a swan is way more than the purchasing power of a swan which means there's almost no incentive to actually spend your swans to buy stuff you're just hoarding them Mm -hmm. so that you can get more and more points out of them
1: exactly and i mean uh, it's been at least two of the games that we've played I have had someone get a ton of points from having a utility room with swans and just hoarding those swans and being like, all right, cool, I'm going to keep as many of these as possible. They're now worth three points to me. Yeah. And like, I'm just going to find the best way that I can to get as many green swans or yellow swans or whatever.
0: Yeah. And we're talking huge point swings, you know, in a game where a winning score might be 125 to 150, you can pick up. 50 plus points from this single utility room by collecting swans. Yeah. So definitely just a misalignment there. I think, you know, there are some things that you could maybe do the, when you spend swans in order to purchase rooms or, you know, bonuses or what have you, the swans aren't a particular color. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be. So, you know, maybe making them have to be a particular color. uh, You know, I'm not sure, but it just, it really feels like the, biggest path to victory is swan collection and so much so that you know all the other strategies just pale in comparison
1: I, I feel like it's it might not be that difficult but just because like I think swan collection is very very important but you still need to build a good castle in order to make use of the swans that you collect that's um, fair but I do see like you know the, that's one of the things just like they, they very much add a lot of just points and they they should be a focus if you're playing the game yeah and that might not be exactly where they would want you to focus in a game called palaces of bad king right. rather than you know swans of yeah. but exactly. overall though i like this game
0: uh i think it's got a really you know solid design i think it's quick i think it keeps all the players engaged you know because there's always the possibility that your room gets completed on another player's mm-hmm. turn so you know you don't have to worry about or even dead just time getting a swan yeah, I mean, even just getting a swan when someone places a room. So, uh, constantly engaged, you know, very fast paced, good strategic elements, uh, but not too brain burny. Overall, I like this game a lot. I think it's gorgeous. Still can't give it a buy it. Um, it's a play it from me, me. Just because at the end of the day, I'd still rather play castles.
1: There you go. For me, I. I really like this game. I I like the um, interactive aspect. I really like the moats and just that little bit of strategy. I I love games that have just that slight amount of uh, player interaction in there and Castles does it in one way where you have uh, the builder and you know changing where the rooms go. Palace does it in a different way where you are you know working on like placing the tiles in the right place like maybe blocking someone off intentionally in some places and not in others and that kind of stuff and i like that kind of interaction a lot i think it's very well done i think that the mechanics with the uh utility rooms other than the swans are cool the downstairs rooms, I find it very interesting we've had very, very small basements because everyone's just like, no, close it off, close it off. We yeah. don't want them to have too many points, and I want to get in on these points. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, th- there are some really fun aspects there uh, that really give rise to a very good game. And I'm not sure which one I like more, Palace of Mad King Ludwig or Castle of Mad Ludwig. I like them both a lot, and that's why I'm going to echo my review there, which is buy it. I think that both games are really good, and I definitely think Palace is a, a good enough game to definitely buy and put on your game shelf if you like tile games.
0: There you go. Split buy-it-play-it review. Overall, though, definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Real quick, as is our custom, let's talk about some games that we find uh, pretty similar. First of all, I think we're going to avoid the obvious. Yep. Uh, and instead, I'm going to say Lanterns. Uh, There's a lot of similarity here from the, you know, sort of square tile laying that have adjacency bonuses if you can match the colors to even some elements of set collection. Obviously, there's a lot of difference here. You know, the scoring comes from a a wider array of sources rather than just, you know, competing for who can get the uh, pattern cards Mm -hmm. first. Uh, But overall, I think Palace really feels like a step up, you know, like an older brother to lanterns so yeah. if you like the core gameplay of lanterns but you want something with a little bit more strategic element a little bit more nuance check out palace and magic
1: Yep. and then the other one is uh one of my favorites carcassonne and uh this is also a lot of it is the similarity is the, to placing the tiles you know you're, you're placing the tiles trying to get points in different ways carcassonne is definitely a lot more like of the board points rather than the the points that you have hidden or any secret objectives or anything like that but there's still a large aspect of having to halfway work together with someone or maybe being forced to work together with someone in one way uh in order to get points somewhere else and so it's it's got a very similar kind of feel to it and if you like carcassonne you'll probably like pouts
0: there you go that's our review of palace of mad king Ludwig.
1: Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. Washington Con is this weekend, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope to see you guys there. Um, We're going to have a lot of games, panels, like there's so much stuff just going on. Uh, If you haven't already, check out tickets online, sign up for events. The event schedule is live, RPG schedule is live. We have LARPs, we have a lot of really cool things coming up. We have LEGO dungeons that are going to be happening. It's going to be great uh so definitely check that out also our friends from hipline industries have actually funded their kickstarter gamma grunts is officially funded but there's a lot more to do you can get some really cool stretch goals and get in on a really really cool game so check that out we also have our friends from diverse publishing who are kickstarting their game nexus right now i'd highly recommend that if you like an arena combat type um miniatures game they have really cool miniatures the really cool board in general the game looks pretty great so i'd highly recommend checking that out and yeah we just hope to see you guys at washington this uh this weekend and be sure to tune in on monday for our recap of what happened at washington the cool people we talked to the games we played and the people we've met so uh we hope to see you all then